Hello, listeners, and welcome to the third episode of the Rough Rider podcast with Aaron Newsom. Um, today's guest is a class of 93 graduate. And before I bring him on, I kind of want to speak to uh, how our relationship rekindled. Uh, about three, four years ago, he reached out to me via Facebook Messenger and said he was going to be in town over the 4th of July. And would I like to go out and have drinks? And it was just kind of out of nowhere. Uh, we hadn't had contact since high school. And, of course, I accepted. Uh, we went out, had drinks, and it didn't really stop there. We've kind of become pretty decent friends over the course. Um, he's come back. He's had me to dinner over at his mom's house. Um, we had lunch after his father passed away and had a good conversation then. Um, and he's become a, a, a person that's pretty important to me. Uh, I'd like to bring him on right now, Dr. Julian Hader. How you doing, okay. bud? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. First of all, thanks for joining us. Um, it's yeah, nice to pleasure. have you on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Little confession. I just got done about an hour ago talking to Erica Johnson. Uh -huh. um, what a what a good person. Like seriously, just everything she says is just like it's like a storybook. Like it just yeah, she's got a lot of energy. Yeah. It just flows, you know. She got into a little bit about you guys living in Seattle and just everywhere that she's been, and it was just really cool to hear. I didn't know all that obviously because I hadn't kept in touch with her, but it's just really cool to hear that and and her being a, a Roosevelt alum and you know you tied into that who I was going to be talking to and it's just a full circle type thing, you know. Sure. Yeah, all right, absolutely. so a lot of people might not know where you're located. So why don't you give us the lowdown on where you're at and what you're currently doing? I've been a lot of places. Uh, currently I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I'm a professor of history at the university of Richmond, but I teach at a, a kind of independent school in this, in the school called the Jepson school of leadership studies um, in large part because of my area of expertise. I've been there for nine years now. Um, before that I was in, Los Angeles, but Charlottesville, Virginia, even before that. So I've been in Virginia probably for about 14 years, give or take. So I had left Des Moines in 97. So I'm reaching a kind of a critical uh, inflection point, if you will, where I've been away from home longer than I lived there. Hey, that's crazy to hear. I know. All right. So just, you know, Tell us about your journey. 97, you went out to Seattle. Yeah. And so what'd you do the day, the day after graduation, you know, uh, you, you walk across the stage. What did Julian do? Nothing, man. Um, I had no plans. I was a terrible student in high school. Um, <laughs> I mean, awful. I don't think I did one homework assignment my senior year. It's actually uh, remarkable. Uh, I think they pushed me out the door more than I graduated, but you know, that's, that's, that's for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, it, it was awful, man. Uh, but I, I had no plans and I drifted around. I played some music uh, with Justin Miller um, and Matt Hupton up in Iowa city and some other places. Finally, you know, I just decided I had an aunt who worked at the university of Washington and she was like, come out to Seattle. So I left um, and I started going to school. I had a couple of inspiring professors and I decided first that I wanted to teach. And then I got interested in research. So I kept going and 
lo and behold, I got a PhD at the University of Virginia. I was lucky to get in. It's an unbelievably good school with it. And the program that I was in was even better. But, you know, I didn't, I really, I spent some time in South Africa. Uh, I had no, I really didn't know what I wanted to do after I graduated from high school, probably like most 18 year olds. Um, I wasn't particularly focused. I was a late bloomer intellectually. Um, and in some ways, I, you know, I was completely disinterested in, in high school, but I got fired in my mid to late twenties. And so, you know, the rest is history, I suspect. Would you say that you were disinterested because it wasn't challenging? I was bored, right? Yeah, that's I mean, exactly I played, that's I exactly what Erica class. said. Yeah, yeah, I played dumb in class. Like, literally, man. I mean, I didn't, you know. How easy was it, though? Roosevelt was so easy. Before senior year, yeah, I, yeah, I just hard. needed econ. I needed econ and, and government to graduate, right, which we all need. Right. That was it, yeah. going into senior it, year. It wasn't particularly challenging. The interesting right. thing is that, you know, the young people that I teach now, um, kids, in fact, um, she's such a 46 years old, an 18 year, 19 or 20 year old, 21 year old seems like a kid. These kids, what they experience in high school is much more intense than what we had to endure. Yeah, that's um, true. The press was standardized testing. The, you know, the AP course has rushed generations of kids uh, through vital portions of American yep. history for no other reason than pedagogical fashion. It's a different experience. I think, you know, I, I watched the movie Days and Confused the other day, and I was like, ah, that's high school. You know, it was, it was. just, we did, man. I yeah. just showed up. <laughs> it's it was true. strange, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I had a great time in high school. I loved Roosevelt. I really, really did. I don't know if you had yeah. a chance to, to listen to what I had to say about it, but it 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 gave me a little bit of everything that I wanted. Sure. Um, yeah. and I'm, and I'm not talking about sitting in class. I'm talking right. about the, the social aspect. The, right. We had, we had a little bit of everything there. There was, there was wealthy, um, there was middle, unwealthy <laughs> and there was low, there, yeah, was, right. there was Asian, African-American white. Yeah, I mean, sure. it, we had a good time and there wasn't a whole lot of class boundaries or, or, I mean, everyone, you go to a party and I mean, it'd be everybody. It, yeah. And that was the best part. Like, it really was a good time, and and that's something that I appreciate. It was more of a, I, you know, it was more of a melting pot than a pressure cooker, right? Um, Very true. It was it was uh it was unique in some ways. If you look at most people's high school experience, it's usually racially homogenous. Uh, most people are generally in the same social economic standing. The range. Yep. Yep. Of demographic diversity at Roosevelt was unparalleled, even from back then, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, yes. So do you have any memory that stands out from Roosevelt? You know, it's crazy. It has nothing to do with me, by the way. Oh, um, right? I remember that people that you want to talk about something that's like considered intolerably anachronistic right now. Right. I remember people used to walk across. Was it Center Street, by the way? Um, I don't know what street that was that separated Roosevelt from the freeway. And they used to smoke yeah. cigarettes, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> there was a yeah. smoking area outside yeah. the high school, man. Like, yeah. for kids. now think about that first, for kids. <laughs> and no one said anything. Right. Right? right? right. It's like, 
you know, think about I just marinate on that for a second. And it's like, <laughs> right? <laughs> no one would do that now. Um, right. And so that was like, you know, in some ways, I think that that's a barometer for, I, I mean, I remember like, um, yeah, unspeakable things that people who I won't mention, like throwing up in class. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the, yeah. the, there used to be an exercise when you had to like, a senior would take you out. Oh yeah. Big, big pal, little pal. Big, that's it. Right. <laughs> oh, oh man. I, um, yeah. I had uh, I, you know, it was amazing. Some of the things we were exposed to at a young age back Kids, then. I remember right. a, a kid in a grade below us. Uh, uh-huh. So we were sophomores and he was a freshman. He got caught pissing on a cop car down at Williams oh, yeah. stadium because he was with uh-huh. big pal, little pal. He was that drunk. I remember that. Yeah. Pissed on a cop car. <laughs> I think they, in that, by the way, and I think they put, I shut it down after that. Yeah, right. It was done. Yep. That was it. It, it, it took which that. kind of shocking, predictable. Right. Um, yeah. Right. And you know, the pressure came from outside, by the way, I think that was yeah. like the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my memories, and I was thinking about this the other day, and I think you'll enjoy this is uh freshman basketball so first of all you started out on the a team i was on the b team yeah i remember walling coming to the team and he said i'm thinking about moving julian down would you guys care and i was basically i flat out told him i just want to win like i don't i don't care and it meant me me losing a starting spot but i didn't Uh i didn't really care so i remember you coming down to freshman basketball B team basketball. Do you know Walling's kid is like a stud for Iowa State now? I had no idea. On on special teams, Rory Walling. They call him the is that uh, right? the pride of the East Side. Yeah. <laughs> is that right? But uh so freshman basketball, first game, they're handing out these crappy uniforms in the locker room. And freshman, you're the lowest on the totem pole, so you get crap. So they right. give us these little shorts because back then. The, the the Fab Five hadn't come around yet, so they give us yeah. these nutters, and most kids yeah. are wearing boxers. There's no boxer briefs at the time. It's either tidy yeah. whitey or flat-out boxers, Yeah, and the boxers were coming out the bottom. And I the remember. Coach, coach is like, you're not going on the floor like that, so you either take them off. People were fighting over safety pins to pin yeah. their boxers up under their nutter shorts. It was yeah. insane. I remember those outfits. I quit the basketball team after that year and started wrestling, by the way. Um, yeah. uh, when I quit wrestling my senior year, um, I was actually pretty decent. Uh, I just wasn't that interested in anything. Um, I did okay in sports, uh, but really, I think I do remember fondly that that team. I also remember Bowman and Walling. Yeah. Um, it was uh it was interesting right so if you remember i got kicked off that basketball team and did you yeah yeah so the second to last game we're getting ready to play east and we had practices at merrill middle school I remember and those. we would get blown out do you remember losing to dowling by almost 100 points i don't and then we would come back to practice and they would run us into the ground so i remember uh nelson alexander scott yeah. gay like we were all dragging in this practice right uh-huh. And I finally, I stopped and I said, coach, can we work on some plays or something? Because we're all in pretty good shape. This is the second last game of the year. So uh-huh. we weren't, it had nothing to do with our, 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 our shape, 
or that was punishment. Yeah, so he's like Dr- draconian punishment. By the and, way. and they would, yeah, yeah, they would stand in the middle of the court and just like talk and, and catch up on times. And while mm-hmm. they'd run us into the ground, they were just collecting a supplement to their paycheck. They didn't care. Sure. They were young twenty somethings. Yeah. So he's like, "Is that how you feel? Then you can leave practice." And, and I remember this now. I and do I'm remember like, this. I'm like, I totally oh, remember this. All right, what? Yep. He's like, "Does anybody else feel that way?" And we had all been talking about it. Yeah. Only person to raise their hand was Steve, Steve Davis. Once you leave too, then so we both get kicked out, this. get kicked out of B team basketball. Like, I remember damn. this now. Yeah, you know that brings back memories. I totally forgotten about that. Um, yeah, listen, I honestly, man, there, listen, I, I'm just gonna take a moment to something because I've actually been in some places where um, city schools actually dominate state sports. There was no reason. With the amount of talent that Roosevelt had yep. um, athletically, that we weren't better than we were. It's uh, and don't get me wrong, you know the the, the the suburban schools had a bigger gene pool to pull from, and uh, obviously more resources. But I think it, it, even to this day, I still am perplexed at the at the clip at which. City schools, my dad used to say if all the African-American kids had gone to North instead of getting on the buses, they would have dominated, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Right. It was too diffuse, I guess. I don't know. Right. But it's interesting. Um, but I do remember also, though, that that basketball team, the A-team, went on sophomore year under Nahas. They were really good, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember them in eighth grade? Yeah, With I some was of on those team. Kids? Yeah, Rico. Yeah. I remember Rico Evans, uh, Bernard. I mean, that team ran kids over. The sophomore well, team, the only was, team the sophomores lost to was um, Ankeny, and they went on to win state. I remember as, that. As so the eighth grade team when we were at Merrill, by the way, with Jason Allen and yep, yep. Um, I was on the bench, obviously. Larry Mason. There were some guys on that team. I don't think I think we we were either undefeated or we lost like one game. Right. Yeah, and, and Nahas would press too. Man, he was such a good coach. Yeah, he was. He um, was. Uh, there was a precipitous decline after sophomore year for reasons yeah. that I think are obvious that I don't need to mention. Well, right? In the talent <laughs> right. pool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian right. Larson, and the yeah, talent, the talent pool was added to. We had a six foot seven point guard that came over from Australia. It was crazy how um, the team just. But the same was true for football, by the way. Um, yeah. Mike Nickerson, who I did not get along with, was a good football coach, by the way. And um, we were good our sophomore year. And then we got to we, – we matriculated up, and things just – there was just a precipitous decline in quality for reasons that I won't get into. Well, right. didn't a certain somebody catch a touchdown on the back of the end zone at Newton? I did. I, I scored the winning touchdown in that game. Yeah. yeah. I remember that, yeah. That was like the I'll first win at Newton in like 20-some years. Probably they were so, they were so then, good. Man. Yeah, they were so yeah. good back then. I remember catching that ball and uh, Nip, what was James? Um, what Lewis. was his last name? Lewis. James Lewis. Yeah. Literally bolts from the sidelines, which is obviously a penalty, right? <laughs> yeah. But he was so overcome with emotion, he literally just ran into the end zone and tackled me, right? <laughs> Uh, that was <laughs> that was interesting. Those are the memories, man. That is what they can't take yeah. from you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that stuff. Um, so any teachers? Is there any teachers that stand out from your time there? As good? 
or bad. Either way. Man, this is going to sound terrible. Um, no, nope. I, 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 you haven't <laughs> listened. You obviously haven't listened to mine. I went off and talked about no. a grudge. By the way, I have grudges. By the way, I do. Um, I think uh, I'm not bitter. Obviously, I'm 46 years old. I think everybody gets to a critical point in their, you know, development where, you know, you can't blame, you know, your parents or your teachers for your character flaws. You have to take responsibility. But I didn't, I was never really inspired. Um, I think Miss Robinson, who was my 11th grade advanced English teacher, was probably the, the best teacher I had. But I mean, teachers used to say derogatory stuff. I mean, teachers would do things when we were in high school, Aaron, by the way, that w- would get you fired from the McDonald's in 2021. Yeah, right? yeah, you're right. right. It was a different time. Um, and believe me, I did plenty to warrant. Uh, in class, <laughs> right? I mean, I was I was hard to deal with, right? Um, but I, you know, I think it was interesting because I was in advanced classes. I was one of the few African Americans who chose to take them, so I was a party of one. Um, I can't think of any teacher offhand that really inspired me at Roosevelt, which is particularly why when I went to college. And I had people show interest in my intellectual development. I I got inspired. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, you know, I'm blaming the teachers. Is I mean, I was I was a monster in class, right? Um, but some of that can be mitigated by someone who just shows sincere interest. So it's a given. I think um, I you know I think Miss Robinson was probably my best example. There's some teachers that I flat out did wrong with, right? Yeah. Mr. Coke, right? Yeah. Oh. Mr. Uh, Mr. Treeman had you by the balls and he knew it. Because Can you I needed, tell you a story? You needed his class to graduate. Yeah, please do. About Treeman, man? Um, oh, I, took advanced e- I took advanced econ, right? Yeah. And I used to always come to class late. And he had this thing where he would ask you randomly for like the stock, the stock, uh, stock market numbers, right? Yeah. And I came into class like 15 minutes late and he asked me for the numbers and I knew him. And I knew him because I knew if I walked in late, he was going to ask me for him. And he never, he never messed with me after that day, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because you pushed uh, back, yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, but yeah, he was a, he was a difficult, a lot of people were scared of Mr. Treatment, right? He would hold you by the, by the sack because he knew you, he had you there. I remember Mr. Baracci. He was the most chill. Oh, he yeah. was the chillest. He was the chillest teacher, by the way. Um, and he taught history. And um, by the way, probably the fondest memory I have of a teacher isn't from Roosevelt. It's from Merrill, by the way. And it was Mr. Costanza. Right? Oh, yeah. He was a great history teacher. Yeah. Uh, Jeopardy. Do you remember that? Yep. You had to answer in the form of a question. He'd That's hand out right. those little boxes on Monday. Yes. And they yes. had to be done by Thursday. That's right, by the way. Beautiful. I mean, I, but like I said, like I was terrible, man. I was at Harding. But you remember, I didn't come to Merrill until Seventh. halfway through. I got, I got kicked out of Harding. I was a monster, right? Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I, if you would have, I guarantee if you'd have given any teacher a crystal ball on me from seventh to twelfth grade, it would they would have. They would have bet big dollars that I'd have been in prison. (laughs) But you know what, though? I mean, that says something about you, too, to be able to change that. Because it's hard to change or turn. 
on a dime or whatever. Yeah, I think leaving Des Moines was probably the best thing that happened to me, which is, it, by the way, isn't saying that Des Moines is a bad place. At, for my growth, um, you know, it was uh, I needed to move to sure. experience something um, that obviously wasn't happening there. And I think toxic peer pressure to, to, to behave and, 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 and carry myself in a particular way led me to do things that I probably um, wouldn't have done had um, I been in a different environment. But those are choices that I made as a young man that I definitely look back on that in fact informed the adult that I became. So I guess I don't have any regrets, right? Yeah, I get that. I get that. So tell us some of the jobs you've had since high school. I just, I kind of want to hear, because we've all had that job. And Aaron, I've washed dishes, mowed lawns, um, tended bar. I've taught eighth grade and middle, uh, middle school and high school. Uh, I've been a teacher's assistant at, you know, the university level. Um, I've worked in the service industry. I've slept boxes. I slept coffee in Seattle out of like container trucks off shipping containers. There's not much. Like when I moved to Seattle, it was expensive. So I had to just work to make a living. Um, and so I did whatever I could. And I worked my way through college, which was difficult. But um, I've had I've had enough shitty jobs. Can we cuss, by the way? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> I, I've had enough shitty jobs to, to respect um, what it's like to have a decent job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And, and I kind of detailed mine, too. It's you sometimes those are good for you though because they are not they that are. you ever get to the top right but you remember where you've been and then you treat others with a little bit more respect who are just trying to yeah. fight for for theirs also um you and gotta some, cut your teeth man yeah right? absolutely yeah, yeah you, to, you gotta make your bones right yeah yep. you gotta make your bones yep. and by the way it's, I, I loved going long miller and i did it together it's the best one i ever had like it was peaceful I, I mean, I, I often tell my wife with the Valley, by the way, um, yeah. that I, I my dream job is to retire and start a lawn care company, right? Just just cause, right? Yeah. Um, uh, when I get fed up with the politics and stuff like that, you know, and um, I always fantasize about just owning a lawn care company, being out, you know, so isolated. Uh, so those jobs were, you're right, they they reveal character. Kind of breaking up a little bit. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. But there was some yeah. some breakup. But yeah, I agree. You know, sitting on a tractor, mindless, just yeah. in thought, just driving that right. thing around and, and collecting a little bit of, of lettuce on the side for that, that'd be great. And I mean, you've already got your bank account full. You're retired or whatever. That'd I mean, be Justin, and I, Justin and I used to like approach every yard like it was a Zen garden, right? We'd like try to strike it like a baseball field. So it yeah. actually, it, it, I actually learned a lot about how to approach work by mowing lawns or um, in, in some ways how to approach life by mowing lawns. You know, I, you, you don't look at it as a task. You look at it as, you know, a, a piece of art. And yeah. so in some ways, what I learned from mowing lawns, I've taken into my professional career, which means by the way that you can, you know, do something that, on its face has nothing to do with what you plan on doing, but it can inform what you end up doing in the long run. Right. 
Right. So let's move on to your family. Tell us uh, when you started dating Kate, when you got married. I was, uh, so Kate and I dated in my early 20s and um, when she was at the University of Iowa. And I mean, she's like Iowa royalty, by the way, this, um, and I know this is going to really get under your skin. It's a cyclone, right? (laughs) The, The street in front of, Kenneth Stadium is named for my wife's grandfather. Um, really? He was part of the Iron Man. With nice. Dad, by the way. So she went to Iowa and I was out there playing music and we dated. And then I moved out to Seattle. She went to Los Angeles. And one day I'm in graduate school in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I get an email out of the blue. Like, how are you doing? And that's and it just started from there. It just snowballed. Really? So I ended up, you know, yeah, you know, we talked for months, probably a little, maybe a year saw one another in like a long-term relationship. And then I ended up moving to Los Angeles and we had a child and, you know, we're married and the rest is history. And she follows you around this country as you. Well, I've been lucky, man. Um, teaching jobs. She, yeah. She worked in Hollywood for years. Um, she cast movies. She worked for flower films and uh, she decided to transition out of that and get a master's degree in social work from USC, which gave her, um, a lot of, you know, occupational mobility. So she agreed fault to my degree graciously. Um, and we ended up for one year in Buffalo when I taught at Niagara University and then Richmond called and I came down here and um, it's the city's been good to me to, to say the least. Right. Yeah. Right. I love it, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm proud. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. So, Ditto, right. I mean, yeah, you made out well, man. I mean, hey, anything can happen. I'm happy, right? Yeah, I got no complaints, and that's that's where I want to be in life. So, yeah, I'm I'm pleased, and, and it sounds like you are as well. Um, walk us through some of your like successes because you've been <laughs> you've been on TV. You you yeah. don't think of it that way, but I mean, no, not at all. You yeah. you are. I mean, you've written a book. Yeah. You've been on sixty yeah. minutes. You have a Netflix special. I mean, you're kind of becoming a go-to guy um, when it comes to race relations and whatnot. Tell us how that's kind of unfolded. Ah, accidentally, man. Um, You know, I really, it started when a colleague of mine who I'm really close with, uh, the guy who invited me to come down and apply for the job um, recommended me for this committee or this commission down here about Confederate statuary. So I did that. And as you know, the country fell apart and people began to argue about, you know, all this stuff, we found ourselves in the proverbial crosshairs and the news just kept calling. So first it's, you know, 60 minutes and Anderson Cooper, then it's, I mean, I've been on NPR any number of times. I've written for the Washington post. Um, I've been in the New York times, uh, you know, various international outlets. It just kind of unfolded. And people started asking me questions and I started answering them. <laughs> I mean, it, really, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I'm surprised that people find what I have to say interesting, to, to be perfectly honest with you. And I know for a record, for the record, that is going to shock some people because if you remember, I won two awards when we graduated from high school. Loudest Mouth, which I still have, 
Like, I don't even need a microphone when I give a public uh, a talk. <laughs> and biggest ego, right? <laughs> so I really don't know, like, how it happened, Aaron. Um, you know, it's in some ways, like, when the cameras turn on, I just, I, I'm not nervous, you know? I prepare, and, and I've spent the last 15 years of my life studying American history, and I'm comfortable talking about certain things. And um, so people call. I mean, I've been on Netflix documentaries. There's another documentary on the way. Um, it's interesting that, uh, you know, when the camera turns on, it can be lonely, but it's something that I've just kind of taken to, I guess. I love it. And I, and I love the fact that nobody at that school probably, like you mentioned, probably saw this coming. Like this has been... And I don't want to say a surprise because that's kind of a slight. You were always smart and intelligent. It's just a matter of you showing somebody that because you were always kind of guarded um, with that side anyway. Oh, Aaron, I, because I was it angry, wasn't it wasn't right? cool. It wasn't cool yeah. for an African American yeah. to be smart. Uh, right. No, I'll, that's I'll true, say man. it. I'll no, say it's it. true. Some, it's true. some people got called names. Yeah, um, of course. I, I, so, I mean, if, if I had a dollar for every time someone associated black intelligence with whiteness, by the way, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Um, on We'd be on a podcast in Tahiti, man. Um, yeah, yeah. It's frustrating. I was angry for any number. I mean, the amount of frustration I carried around as a young man um, for those reasons and others was something that I had to release eventually. Um but you're absolutely right. I think and to this day, there still is an association. You know, I remember one time, I'll tell you a story down here. Someone's like, oh man, you talk white. This is an African-American. I was like, do you speak a, a language other than English? Because the last time I checked, English isn't indigenous <laughs> to Africa. So you talk white too, man. Right? It's yeah, like, yeah, that's you know, true. Right? It's like, what are you <laughs> talking about? Yeah. Like, come on. It was something that happened quite regularly. And I was always open to hanging out with people that didn't look like me, which came with its, with, with, all, you know, with, you know, its requisite amount of bullshit and derision from yeah. people that did. So you walk around with those things. But I'll tell you what, man, I wouldn't regret it. I don't regret it at all. I learned a lot from people who came back to your comment about Roosevelt being, you know, renowned for its diversity. I learned a lot from hanging out with people that didn't look like me. And I wouldn't, and I think um, those types of kind of, cross-cultural experiences of what made um high school unique right yeah i agree and i i love that about it and that's where you know i kind of speak to to in my podcast about where we we amanda and i had decided to send our kids there but things happen and we chose to go um the route where there's no feeder schools sure where where our kid our kids in specific one would be going to school with the same kids from K through 12 with no, uh, unless somebody, unless somebody moved in or moved out, sure, um, there would be no, no different kids they went with. And, and that was more or less for protection. Um, right. we fall in love with the school district along the way because you get in what you put out sometimes too. And so with we're, school? As yeah, a parent? yeah. Oh, there's yeah. no doubt about it, by the way. Yeah. yeah. So we try to be invested. Um, and, and, we happen to like it. Um, we, we happen to like it. And there's in our neighborhood right here, it's becoming pretty diverse over here in Easter Lake and just uh -huh. on our, our little sure, uh, Sterling trace development, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it takes time, um, but we're happy with it. And, and, and I'm glad that you're happy in the spot that you're in too. Um, yeah. You know, I just don't think about it much. I just do what I do, I guess. Right. Um, 
sometimes, you know, it, it dawns on, it's like, oh man, I'm like, I've been on 60 Minutes. Like I grew up watching that show, yeah. right? But I don't really, it's not anything that I dwell on, right? I try to look forward. And that's good. Um, this this podcast is to catch people up, and, and it's okay to look back every once in a while and, and reminisce sure, because I'm that a keeps, historian, man. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that keeps right. us young too, right? Sure. I mean, yeah, if you can grasp some of the good times, they never really yeah. leave you. Yeah. Um, so this next topic uh, is one that we might have to have you back on for in the future, um, sure. just so we can to to dive more into it because we we don't have you know an unlimited amount of time right now. But let's talk about today's music. Um, oh, really? I know. I know. So I'm not a fan. Um, my kids kind of listen to some of it and I, I don't get it. I, it just doesn't ring for me sometimes. You know, when you hear a catchy tune or something, yeah. you just, you like it right away. Like right. you don't know anything about it. You don't know sure. the things that the voice may sound familiar. It may not, but the mm-hmm. tune just catches you. Yep. And there's nothing like that today. Well, my daughter's going through a Taylor Swift phase right now. She's not bad. I was just telling Erica, she, there's some guilty pleasures in there. She has some catchy tunes. So that, they're catchy, I, by the I way. Can, but hip hop, the oh man, yeah, that's a sad state of just, affairs. Yeah, it's so I, you know, every once in a while, someone will catch my my ear. But let me tell you something, man. Music today is made for for eyes and not ears, right? It's you think Aretha Franklin could have got a record deal, right? Ooh, yeah. It's made for eyes and not ears, man. Yep. Um, it's all about visual, like, representation. I think... Um, There's a, a TV show based on that, The Voice. That's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, these 100%. Kids, this, this is effectively the most over-documented era in human history. I remember, man, coming up, you would get a tape or a CD or a record before that. And you might listen to the first half and never get to the second half in the first six months. You like actually marinated on music, yeah, right? Yeah. But, and I think that that not only shaped the ways we listen, but the types of music that people played. Um, I think things are happening so quickly now that everything's getting recycled at an unbelievable pace. I just don't think the music is necessarily, and I'm going to nerd out on you real quick. I just don't think it is nearly as complex um, as the stuff we grew up listening to. It, um, what we've seen in the last 30 years, um, think of it this way, man. African-American music recreated itself no less than 10 times in the 20th century, right? From gospel to blues, from blues to, to, to ragtime to swing, from swing to jazz, jazz to bebop, bebop to soul, funk funk, the disco, hip-hop. We've been stuck on hip-hop for 30 years, man. That's that's true. There's been no... I want you to name me the last phase of musical evolution where somebody has played something that you have never heard before. Oh, man. Like a genre. Dude, how many times did we hear new genres from 1975 to 1990, right? Well, we can just name uh, a couple. We can name exactly. a couple from like our middle school That's to the end, like grunge about. and and and. Uh, it's like we're stuck ga- gangs- on this, like yeah, gangster. I mean, there's we're, versions. Yeah, yeah, we're stuck on a hamster wheel. I'm just, I'm more appalled by the lack of innovation than I am anything else. 
And the fact that we haven't seen anything um, emerge from hip hop that is um, sonically as innovative as it was when we were lucky, man. We were lucky to be born yeah. when we were. We've experienced um, some auditory revolutions and I'd never take that for granted because I've seen what came after. Right. So no, I'm extremely disappointed. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. These these songs today, like they hit in the chorus after the first three lines of the song. Like there sure. used to be this nice buildup, right? Right. And then you'd hit that chorus that made the song. Now, like these songs can't wait to get to the chorus because there's nothing to the song. Like there's, there's no, no there's no rapping anymore. No, it's all no. it's mumble rap, it's chime rap. I mean it's chanting. It's like even right, even pop, up. Right. Uh, even yeah even pop music um isn't nearly i mean we were there was good pop music when we were kids right yeah yeah it's i don't know man i'm i'm sl- I, I mean like spin doctors i wouldn't call them rock they were like pop and that was okay the uh, police matchbox, matchbox 20 was like a pop i mean right are, some of that's good stuff i don't call it rock cuz it's not there's no such thing as rock anymore um man it's very, country it's- Country is more like pop today, which is trash. Like old you know what, country. Yeah. You know what qualifies as contemporary country? Someone singing over a pop tune with a country accent, by the way. Yeah. You know what country is? Willie Nelson is country. Yes. Johnny yeah. Cash is country, right? Agreed. Um, Waylon Jennings is country. Uh, yeah. Glenn Campbell is country. That stuff's gone, man. Uh, you know what it is, Aaron? Authenticity has taken a nosedive. Yeah. I agree. Right. Yeah. And I think music says a lot about society too. So yeah. the two go hand in hand and without one or without a solid one. Right. I think we're and so it, interested nowadays in talking about politics. Um, I'll say two things about this. I remember a time when you could hang out with somebody for years and never knew how they voted. Now, by the way, it's the first thing people want to talk about is their political affiliation. Yeah. Um Two, I think one of the things, when it's all said and done, right, and the history books are written about the United States, one of the things I think that historians will never overlook is our cultural contributions to the world. And music is one of those things. We're just not doing it anymore, right? Yeah. We revolutionized world music. Can you say that now? No. Can you honestly say that we're pushing the envelope anymore, right? Yeah, that's that's very true. That's a a, a good thought. Uh, unfortunately, I just All think right. we've gotten complacent. But that's you know, I'm writing. I'm gonna. That's my next book, by the way. It's funny you should ask that question. Um, it's gonna be about music. Really? Yeah. How how far along are you into this? Not far, by the way, because I'm writing another book right now. But as soon as I finish with this one. That's where I'm going. I've got a couple of ideas that I've been, you know, jotting down. around. Yeah, yeah, man. I think I'm going to start doing some research and hopefully I can um, get some things down on paper. You know who you should get a hold of? Ken Burns. Like, get some nice, sweet biography out there. You know what it is about Ken Burns, though? I love Ken Burns. I use Ken Burns. But Ken Burns will put you to sleep. Yeah, some of that, some of that candy. <laughs> like <laughs> you love the details, but you also hate the details. Exactly. By the way, it's like, couldn't you have cut this by like forty-five minutes, man? 
Yeah, nobody it's, cares it's, what Muhammad Ali ate for lunch on his 35th exactly, birthday. Exactly. <laughs> right? I mean, Ken Burns has like a tendency to lull you down. And it's like, oh, you know, yeah. I, like it's it's like watching like a, a a symphony and not listening to a rock solo. Right. Yeah, I, I hear you. All right. So our listeners might want to know, give us something that uh that nobody else knows but about what anything you choose about me yeah throw something out there that that people don't know since we've left the halls oh man that happened at roosevelt or, or just, just anything yeah right? yeah i don't even know man i like i'm a, i don't really have i i mean i'm i'm a closet country and western fan by the way. Nice. Yeah. Right. Um, what? but like the real stuff, right? Yeah. You know, there's a thin line between Al Green and Willie Nelson, by the way. Yeah, I, I can see that. I've never thought of that till you just mentioned it, but there is though, right? Yeah. I mean, you gotta remember most African Americans before the 20th century came out of the rural south. Um, there is a very thin line between, you know, uh southern soul music and country and western music. And um you know, it's, my mother used to listen to Johnny Mathis. So yeah. there's that. You know what I'm saying? Right? So, like, there's that. But, like, I, I probably have some of the most diverse musical interests that you could possibly imagine. Um, I've also done a lot of, like, world traveling. Um, and so there's that. The thing, Some things that I've, you know. Um, but really, I'm... I'm not that interesting, man. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know what else to say. I I really it's, don't know. Like, what? Like, what? It's, what's? Go ahead. It, it's very hard to talk about yourself. I don't I don't like it either. Right. But it's one right. of those one of those things that you know people are gonna want to know. People are gonna listen to this. People are gonna say, "Damn, Julian, you know, this is awesome." You know, I didn't see this coming. That type of thing. It's difficult. Well, to, I'll tell you another to, thing though. I've I've got a lot of existential dread about you know being a forty six year old man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Like that's something people don't know about me. Like, um, it's hard. You know, I think one of the beauties of what you're doing and looking backwards, um, mm-hmm. in, in some ways, is a reflection of the fact that you know we're getting to that point, man. Right? Yeah. You yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. You can't fight I mean, it. I, no, I gave up on man. trying to fight it, so now I'm just trying to embrace it, and that's a slow I'm process. Getting, Aaron, I make noises when I sit down, right? <laughs> I, I I pulled my neck the other day brushing teeth. Like no, no, I'm serious, man. I'm I mean my I'm starting to show signs yeah. of age, man. Yeah, like, but I still feel like I'm 18, but my body's got different ideas, right? <laughs> Yeah, my hip has bothered me for like a there, month. That's what I'm talking like, about. That's like what I'm what? talking about. Like, I haven't played any sports or nothing. I, I just that's sit right. in a chair and get up. Like, yeah. I wish I could pinpoint when this happened, but. Right. Yeah. I have, in the, I don't know, in recent years, become increasingly interested in like just thinking about mortality. Um, there's that's, I, if you want to get it. serious, by the way, um, it's something that I contemplate quite regularly. And, um, I think it's, I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis as much as I think it's kind of commiserate with this kind of stage in our, in our development where, you know, people in your immediate circumference, some older than you start to pass away. And, 
you know, there was not really any playbook on this stuff, right? Like, yeah. how do you deal? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I think you start to think about those things. So it's, um, I'm much more mindful of the present now than at any other point in my life. Right? I could, I couldn't agree more. Right. Um. Yeah. Let's let's we'll have you back on some other time and, and, or we'll sit down and we'll go out and have a beer. Maybe we have that talk in private and talk about mortality and just uh, <laughs> uh, re- religion and, and that whole, right. that whole topic. Cause that'd be a good one to, to, to chat about, uh, but oh, uh, I got two more questions and we're out of here. Okay. Um, give us something that annoys Julian. What I- I'm sure there's a bunch of little things, but what, What's towards the top of that? Give, let me let me hear something that pisses you off. People who cut donuts in half in the office. <laughs> that, <laughs> that? Yeah, what? shit like that bothers me. Like, what makes you think I want half of your donut? Right? I'm, gl- like, I'm glad you said this right so after you talked about getting old. Because <laughs> right. those two <laughs> those two go hand in hand. Right? It's like, like, what makes someone think? that I want half of their donut that they cut and put their hands on. Like it's so presumptuous. It so assumes listen, that someone else in the office wants half a donut. When you were 20, <laughs> you'd be, you'd be like, cool. Someone left me half a donut. Half a donut you're 46. Now. You're like that no. son of a bitch. It touched the shit this out donut. Me. Right. Oh uh, no, there are all kinds of things that bother me. Like people who in, uh, in offices, uh, you know, uh, eat potato chips. Like, but yeah. like, do, like, why are you like, cr- like crunching on potato chips in a faculty meeting? Um, <laughs> like it, there are all kinds of things that drive me crazy. Um, That's awesome. It's like, dude, I turned you. You know who my spirit animals are, by the way. The old guys, the two from the old men that sat on the balcony <laughs> yes. of the muffins. Yes, I nailed <laughs> it. <laughs> that, that, so those true. Are, that's what I've become, man. Like I can think of a million reasons why I should loathe humanity. Right. Because yeah. I love them in theory, but in practice, like there are things that people do that drive me crazy. Um, and the, the half donut cutters are definitely <laughs> at the top of the list. Right? That's, that's amazing. I, I mean, something right. so small. I love it. I love it. All right. Last one here. And then we'll, we'll get you on your way. And we appreciate you, you stopping by. Uh, is there anything you want to clear the air about or get off your chest? About anything? About anything from Roosevelt uh, no. after. No, you know I mean, you've kind of you've kind of said some things earlier in this I, podcast I, just to clear clear the air man. about your time at Roosevelt. No, I've been a pariah. I've been an asshole. I've been a monster. One of the things I learned about high school um, is th- they're uncomfortable years. One, yeah, yeah. Uh, two, I think. Um, you learn a lot about yourself from, you know, those uncomfortable spaces. And I don't, re- you know, you cannot control what people think about you. Right. It's, and it's a, it's a, it's a battle that I won't fight. Right. Um, yeah. Because in I, some ways it's, it's unwinnable. And. Um, well, you just end up digging a bigger hole. That's right. You know, I just, you know, at a certain point I realized that there are things that I've done that cannot be undone and things that can't be, you know, you can't talk your way out of something. So, you know, the chips have to fall where they may. I'm not nearly as angry as I used to be. Um, and, you know, I think some of that just comes with age. But I think ultimately, right, uh, one of the things I find interesting about staying in contact with people that I grew up with is 
um, no matter how far you come sometimes, that, that four-year window of your life becomes a defining characteristic of your identity, right? Yeah. And arbitrary as it is, it becomes a defining characteristic of who you are. And of course, it might be a window into some things, but I think all of us, um, Rough Riders and otherwise, are so much more than the four years we spent together in those walls. That's well said. I, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not even going to expound on that that's just well said and i think that we can kind of leave off on that um and and hopefully someone many people out there will hear that and just kind of use that and and remember the four years for what they were instead of as a a sentence worker for someone's uh rest of their life but julian man i appreciate you coming on and and you've been a a great person to me and i'm glad that that you reached out when you did and and we've caught up and and i can't wait to see you again when you're in town whenever that may be um so thanks for coming on thanks for giving us almost an hour of your time my pleasure and uh, we'll talk to you soon brother all right buddy later later